Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing? Good. A little bit of a late night tonight. I was coaching a hockey practice, so here we are. Um, Kurt's already posted the game grades, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Close, close to it, yeah. Yeah. All righty. We'll add this in shortly. It was a three two overtime loss, Edmonton Oilers to the Buffalo Sabres. A not such a terrible game from the Oilers. I was, it was funny because I was online afterwards. I hadn't seen the game. I saw the game after everybody else because they came to it late. And man, people were complaining about the Oilers. They're just on and on and on. And I thought, oh, that must have been kind of a wretched effort. But it was the grade A scoring chances, Bruce. And I, and I think this is accurate. I mean, you're going to go over it tomorrow to check your work as you always do. And we always mm-hmm. have someone to check in our scoring chance work. 14 grade-A chances to six for the Sabres. The Oilers were... 14 for the Oilers to six for the Sabres. Yeah, 14 for the Oilers, six for the Sabres. The Oilers were kind of all over the Sabres, especially as the game went along, and um, could have easily won this game, but for, you know, there was a pretty... There was a series of massive gaffes in overtime, I think, is the in in that particular sequence of hideous pain. Um, the overtime goal against was a thing of ugliness from an Oilers fan perspective. But the rest of the game, I didn't mind the Oilers that game. Um, the top line wasn't particularly sharp, but the rest of the team played pretty well. And uh, we're going to go through some of this in our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. All right, your good thing, Bruce. Well, I'm going to go with the... Uh, uh emergence of um, Rip Van Winkle, I mean, Rip Van Shayen, uh Riley Shayen, the Oilers' uh, um, uh, bottom six center, who's uh, struggled all year to score, uh, made a bad giveaway on the first Buffalo goal. Uh, that was a big part of that sequence of pain. But you know what? That seemed to wake him up because from then on, he was real good. He had two excellent chances on the penalty kill. Uh, where basically he rushed the puck all the way up the ice himself, got one uh, good shot, and the other one the second time he hit the post. And then he had, uh, uh, of course, the second period breakaway, where he took a real nice pass from Joachim Nigard, went in alone and did the Marc Messier deke on uh, uh, Linus Olmark. I always hear Linus Olmark every time I hear that guy's name. And he did this quick backhand, and when the guy was opening up, he slipped it in through the five hole. Uh, to make it 2-1 and to give the Oilers a breath of life at that point because they were they were really skating in sand for a while around then. And he had one more good chance, and he was, I thought, strong on the penalty kill. You know, he 9-7 and seven in the face-off circle. He led the team with four shots on net. Like, that's above and beyond what you expect from Riley Sheehan. And at the end of the day, you can say, well, minus one, plus one, and just really broke even. But I liked his overall game, and he uh, he worked his way out of that early hole personally to uh, make amends for that uh, for that mistake it did rev the Oilers up for sure Bruce and uh, you know in the second and the third periods the Oilers had by my count nine to one grade a chances against the Sabres so mm-hmm. they just couldn't they had a number of posts they couldn't get a break in this game I mean in that regard I mean they I think they had three posts if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken and uh I just have a real quick list of good things from okay. from from mainly the role players who uh, I, I'm really liking actching the bottom six. I, I like uh-huh. their their work ethic, their hustle. Um, 
their skating, their skating speed, and they're starting to, you know, they're getting the odd goal now and then, and um, good for them. So, um, first of all, I thought Adam Larson had his. I actually thought, he, although there was a couple clanger plays, including a scoring chance in the third period, the one the Sabers did have, where Larson and Nurse both abandoned the front of the net for some reason. And the Sabres Is that the one where Nurse tackled the guy after the whistle yeah. and kind of spread him around the blue yeah. paint like marmalade? Yeah. yeah. You know, you often see the most violent reaction from a player after his biggest... After he's screwed up, yeah. Yes, it seems to get the adrenaline flowing. So, But I thought Adam Larson really... I What I liked about him, Bruce, was he was moving his feet, moving his mm-hmm. feet. And for a defenseman, especially he's Adam got, Larson, he's not got, the fastest skater. But he is, he is one of the smarter players, usually, on the mm-hmm. ice. And um, he made actually two rushes of the puck tonight, which I'm singling out. I just thought they were nice to see him attack with the puck. He can do it. He's got some skill carrying the puck, and he's a smart player. Um, I thought Ner- Darnell Nurse's backtrack in the first period where he caught up to and, and piled drive Vessi on a breakaway. Yeah. <laughs> and not and it wasn't a penalty. It was just no, a, it was a good call. Good non-call. Play. There was a Ethan Bear block shot in a, on a Sabres power play in the second period, which was fantastic. He blocked a grade A, maybe a double A shot, like a 33%er in the slot. Jujar Kara in the second period, uh, backtrack into the slot, stopped the play, turned it around. They went the other direction. And I think it was Nuge who set up, or no, it was McDavid who set up Kara um, on that play for a really good shot. And then he went and he followed through with a real strong forecheck right after that. That was an outstanding shift by Carr. Um, there was the two great, really great offensive plays by uh, Joachim Nigard, uh, his pass to Shane and his deflection. I think Joachim Nigard, is, it's, I still contend he should get, be given a chance in the top six. I don't really understand why that hasn't happened um, yet. Maybe he's mm-hmm. still got to earn it, but he, he is, to me, he's earning it. He, he has some offensive skills, some hands, and he hustles. So I don't, I don't. Well, those uh, were his first two points in a good long while tonight. Uh, right. And the other thing is, I mean, the top five now that uh, Nuge and Cassian are back, the top five are set, and the sixth forward for the moment is Dujar Kara, and he's made a pretty good claim to that spot as well. But it was Vigard. Yeah, I thought he might wind up in the press box tonight, but uh, he got another shot at it, and he made a count with uh, two big plays. He didn't play all that much. Only eight and a half minutes, but uh, a goal and assist, you know, I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's a nice night's work. Yeah, he'll be playing next game, I would have to think. I like both Nigard and Haas a little bit more than probably most fans and certainly more than the coach seems to. But like for like, speed, eh? Yeah, yeah, I do. I really like yeah. players who can move around the ice quickly and make a play. Uh, so, and Gaetan Haas had a great hit on Reinhardt, followed up by uh, Josh Archibald. Had a really good hit on Bogosian, which could have been a penalty, I thought, because I don't Pretty sure Bogosian. He just moved the puck and uh, Archibald okay. finished the check. Well, well, by my hit. count, that's the fourth time this year that Archibald has, has not just hit, but actually crunched a guy that outweighed him by at least 50 pounds. Right? He, that, that, Bogos, Archibald's 176, Bogosian's 226. But I remember he laid out that guy uh, Greenway in Minnesota oh, yeah. way back. Yeah. Uh, put him right out of that game. It was such a hard hit. And he took a huge run at Jamie Alexiak, of all people, the biggest, heaviest player in the NHL, give or take Chara. And I can't remember who the third guy was, other than I remember he weighed 230-something uh, a couple of weeks ago. And now this, you know, he's afraid of nobody. And they, they mentioned that on the broadcast, and they talked about how the teammates really appreciated having, you know, that, that guy with that kind of gumption. 
and spirit in his game. And uh, the Oilers need some gumption on the team, and they got to get it from various places in the lineup. And it doesn't have to be always a big tough guys. You know, it can be little tough guys. Yeah. He, you know, I, I'm not haven't been his biggest fan because of his lack of offensive ability, but he's mm-hmm. winning me over with with that kind of hustle hitting and penalty killing. And when he's used in a, on the fourth line, I don't want to see him with McDavid, quite honestly. Right. But when he's used on the fourth line uh, and and on the PK, he he does offer something to the team. And again, Bruce, this is a, I'm actually really like this team, this Oilers team. Um, you know, maybe because they're doing well, but I just I do like the way that they play hockey. I, um. They have some defensemen who can move the puck, and they have forwards who can really skate and hustle. And, um, you know, there was quite a bit of negativity, again, like I said, on the Twitter sphere after the game. But, I don't know, just watching the game, I just saw I saw a team that was going pretty hard most of the game. And I know Tippett pointed out that they didn't think they started too well, which was fair enough. But, um, you know, they had, they had some bad breaks in the first period. It easily could have been a 1-1 game after the first period. I mean, the Oilers outchanced them slightly after the first and anyway i do like this team and he's archibald's part of that all right let's move on bruce bad thing yeah okay i'm i'm gonna go with the defensive coverage of edmonton's first line and their top stars and they're uh, you know if they're scoring goals you know it's it's not it's as Craig McTavish famously said, it's not what you make, it's what you leave. And, I th- and I've always said, no, it's what you make minus what you leave. But tonight what they made was zero. And what they left was two goals against. Uh, bo- both scored against, I thought, sloppy back-checking. Uh, the 2 nothing goal after they, they touched past the puck about four times in the offensive zone and they managed to, Cassian managed to touch it between McDavid and Drysaddle, where McDavid tipped it away from dry saddle and the jailbreak was on, but they had plenty of time to get back. And nobody sort of picked up an assignment. The goal scorer just wound up cruising into the slot to pick up the rebound without anybody within ten feet of him. I watched that play quite a bit and I think mm-hmm. that was on dry saddle. Cassian think- did Cassian did go to his man like there was another man there was a third man in and Cassian went mm-hmm. to him and the fourth man in was the guy who scored and that was Dry Saddle's man. Right. To me, Cassian was F1, and he pulled away from the danger zone off to the boards. But I guess I'll have to look at it again, and I will when I review the I think Cassian might be to blame, but he, and there, there was an was open player there miles, coming in. was 100 miles behind anywhere. Yeah. And anyway, that one. And then in overtime, uh, well, first of all, sloppy play. When they did get the puck, they just gave it away two times. And, I mean, the second time, Leon got it, and he, he just fired a prayer pass to McDavid and gave it right back to him after, like, one second of possession. And then the Oilers never touched the puck again, other than Mike Smith getting a piece of the game-winning shot. But honestly, David, on that play, the, the three Oilers, and these are star players in the defensive zone, McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, and Clefbaum, uh, they were abysmal on that play. Nobody took anybody. Clefbaum was above the goal scorer, and, uh, you know, Dreisel got beat by uh, uh, Eichel, I guess. I mean, it was, it, you're going to get beat once in a while, but nobody covered anybody. You know, it's yeah. like, let's wait for the puck to bounce to us so we can skate down the other way. Well, here's an idea. Check the other guys. And, Bruce, I thought McDavid was actually, of the three, the most negligent. I mean, that was his man who scored. Mm-hmm. And McDavid just, he did this kind of weird forward instead of stopping and starting stopping on the puck and mm-hmm. covering his man 
he just this kind of swoop forward. Mm-hmm. He didn't. It was just a terrible defensive play. And Dreisaitl, he not only did Eichel beat him passing it down low, but then Eichel moved in the slot and Dreisaitl didn't move with him. And Clefbaum, the, the the player who passed the puck over, I can't remember who, he wasn't in a position to shoot. All, so all Clefbaum oh. had to do was it was. It's not always easy to stop that pass. I thought actually Clefbaum. Had he the hardest on the wrong play. side of the pass and yeah, the shooter. Yeah, but he had the hardest play of the three, and and he didn't make it. But Drysaddle and McDavid. I mean, anyway, they're just. I just think they get maybe a little overconfident in overtime. Is that could that be a thing? Well, let's yeah. let's put it this way: the last three home overtime games, the Oilers have lost all three in a total of four minutes and twenty eight seconds, and each time the other team has scored early by controlling the puck and by weak Oilers' defensive coverage. And, you know, they have to... They, I mean, I know it's sacrilege to ever say anything critical about the star players, but they got to commit to the 200-foot game. If this team is ever going to be serious about contending, you know, they have to win their part of the game, which means playing at both ends of the ice and playing hard and playing smart yeah. at both ends of the ice. And tonight I didn't see enough hard or smart from... Uh, uh, from many of uh, Edmonton's top uh, offensive players. And, Bert, you know, Bruce, you see the result on the scoreboard now. If it's sacrilege to say anything about McDavid and Dreisaitl's defensive play, you and I are both going to be burned at the stake <laughs> shortly because we have been on this for some time now. Like, if you go back and listen well, to this podcast, there's been many, 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 many podcasts now where Dreisaitl, you and I have both, you know, critiqued Dreisaitl and McDavid's defensive play. And it's because it's it's an issue. Like, it is it is truly an issue. It has been for some time now. And um, I thought they were getting on it earlier this year, and there's been times when they... There, there are certainly periods of mm-hmm. time in every game, but they do have lapses. And yep. um, uh, maybe we just expect too much from these offensive superstars, Bruce. Maybe we just got to just take the little bit of the good with the bad. What do you say about that idea? Well... Is that too, is that too kind to uh, forgiving you look, you look at the uh, look at the plus minus tonight and you got minus two for dry saddle clef bomb and mcdavid so the overtime goal plus one other goal each had nothing to offset that and when you lose by one you know where else are you going to look i'm totally I mean, with you they deserve there are, the i mean there are other there are <laughs> other things but i mean these are highly paid players and they're played they're paid to perform and not just score points but win games Bruce, I'm totally with you. They deserve yeah. the criticism, and they and they they're going to hear it, and they're going to hear it from their yeah. coach. And until they until they oh, internalize yeah, they heard it, it from the coach be, in the post game, because these Oilers are not going to win like the 1980s Oilers. If they're going to win, it's going to be more like I don't know the 1960 Leafs or the 19 early 80 Islanders, like teams where the superstars back check the snot out of the puck, who just came back like demons to win the puck, and were hard defensive players, because McDavid and Dreisaitl don't they're like it or not, they're not surrounded by that kind of talent, right. and they're not going to be. So they are going to have to, if they want to win, and they might not like to hear this, they've got to be defensive demons. They just absolutely have to make up their minds to be as good as they are on the attack mm-hmm. on defense. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, they, at some point they need the Steve Eiserman enlightenment, you know, that... Uh, to to win in this league, you have to excel in all in all aspects of the game, Bowman? all parts of the ice. Did hmm? you get that from Scotty Bowman, or was it just more uh, organic? Yeah, 90s. all those years, a decade of losing. Yeah, yeah, not I mean, making was, Team Canada. 
He was the Taylor Hall of his era, right? He didn't make Taylor for, Team for Canada. A while, yeah, I mean, he was thought of as a, you know a great score. offensive guy that was just not that uh, committed of a two-way player. And then he he, he had his uh, um, uh, his path to enlightenment at some point because he turned into a very good defensive player who uh, I frankly may have been overrated for how good defensively he was, but he was good. Like he really did did uh, rein in. Uh, uh, you know his focus in in the uh, in the defensive zone as well. Some of it's maturity, and these guys are still getting there. And they know the orders. They know the orders have popped on offense, and they need them to score. But the best way to score is to have the puck, and the best way to get the puck is to take it off the other team. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm reading that. I'm <laughs> listening to the audiobook of Scotty Bowman. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Ken Dryden's yeah. book on uh, Scotty Bowman. Ken Dryden is such a great hockey writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he he wrote one of the you know the top two or three hockey books of all time, The Game. If you haven't read right. it, it's just fantastic. Oh, I have. And this book is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I haven't read it. Okay, uh, my bad thing is uh, the owners had a number of really wide open looks right in front of the net, and they didn't shoot. So uh, I, I, when I when I finally started counting this, I could recall it, it was after Riley Sheehan had missed and passed up on a wide open shot, but James Neal passed up on a point blank wide open shot and Joel Pearson did his had a really chance had a good chance to shoot from the slot and I and a, and if I'm recalling correctly I think McDavid and Dreisaitl like there was a lot of places goal. The- Cassian was trying to put, do this fancy touch passes and I mean sometimes you just got to fire away and drive the net for the rebound and the screen and the scramble and Try and make something happen, you know, and sometimes that first shot will go in and sometimes you'll get an ugly goal on the second one. But when you're making two back passes in a row and all three of your forwards get caught up ice, you know, that's not only a passed up scoring chance, it's a chance the other way. Well, look at the two Buffalo goals and Negard's goal. I mean, they're all greasy goals, right? They're just fluky kind of hit a stick. Go to the net, tip it out of midair. Three of them were midair tips. Yeah. One, One caused the rebound, the other two went straight in. Yep. So that's my bad thing was there seemed to be an absence of shooting when there could be shooting. What is your number? My number is three. And three is the uh, well number of home games I've played so far in this current homestand against three teams that all missed the playoffs last year. Uh, and they uh, out of the three games, I got three points and they uh, kind of wasted chances for the other three and they just can't can't seem to put it together on their home ice day the other the other number three is that's how many times they've won in their last 10 home games three three wins seven losses three betman points as well if you want to include that but losses all the same and this i mean i just wrote the other day about edmonton's inability to ever take sort of serious command of their home ice. Like, this is our ice. You guys want to come in here? We're going to beat you. And and there's just, I don't know where that is. They play better on the road than they do at home. And it's been the case for a while. That's very frustrating to me as a, as a former season ticket holder. I mean, those are the games your, your fans go to see you play in person. To go home disappointed time and again, is, it's not good for business, man. Yeah, this game obviously left a sour taste in people's mm. mouth. Um, 
Nonetheless, Bruce, the Oilers are sixth in the NHL right now with uh, 40 points in 32 games. So I think my I think I mentioned this last podcast that that, that um, last year's team, which crumbled about now because of the loss of Oscar Clefham and Chris fun. Russell, a lot of people leave out the losing Chris Russell part because they don't like him, but they also lost Chris Russell, who's who's a hell of a steady. They lost two two regular D men in the same game, and the fa- I mean the fact that they lost. Clefbaum probably hurt more, but losing Russell, who was a guy who would have been asked to step up and play more and do more in Clefbaum's absence, and suddenly without him too, was a real kick in the in the, it tr- the for truly for was. So so last year after 32 games, that Oilers team had 17 wins. After 32 games, this Oilers team has 18 wins. <clears throat> so that's a bit of a sobering like um, comparison, right? Like things can go bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and and I just wanted to highlight if you look at the last time the Oilers made the playoffs 2016-17 after 32 games that team had 15 wins after uh, 32 games 15 wins 17 losses now they had picked up five points um in overtime losses right but they had 15 wins and 17 losses that 2016-17 team which yeah, eventually they really picked it up down the stretch yeah true. they did um so uh they were 14th overall at that point so you know the I think just, you know, so the comparison was made to last year, but you don't want to make too much of it is what I'm trying to say. Like there's, there's, there's years, um, you know, that other year, 2016, 17, you know, it's just, it's where you end up in the end, not where you are right now is what, what matters. And, and I do think this team is different, um, mainly because I think their defense is a lot more 2016, 17, like, if not better than that, I think it is actually slightly better than that defense. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with, with Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear. Uh, I think Clefbaum and, and Joel Pearson, I thought Joel Pearson actually was fairly solid, had one of his better games tonight. And um, if Larson can play like Adam Larson, you know, from 2016-17, uh, and we saw a little bit of that tonight, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a good hockey player, and he played solid hockey that year. Mm-hmm. A little bit less so, and I, but uh, some promising signs tonight. And he and Russell could, you know, that could really help the team if there is this defensive pairing who can soak up some tough minutes and let everybody else go on the attack a bit more. So um, I like, I like 16, where the orders are. 17 team had, uh, I mean, they had a Talbot on a superheater. He had a great season. He played yeah. 90% of the games. So it was that. this year they're splitting the net mining right down the even the middle. Sixteen starts for each goalie, uh, but Mike Smith's game has gone south to my eye in this last while. You you pointed out since the Pittsburgh game, and I looked at it again tonight. Uh, he's played in eight games since then, and he's had uh, two of the eight games where his save percentage was better than eight seventy. And that is not going to win you very many games, and it hasn't won him very many games. And tonight it was three goals on 22 shots. And, you know, you can say, well, you know, Buffalo got six grade A chances and three of them went in. And I didn't like the big five hole he opened up on the rebound on the second goal. And I frankly hated uh, how he played the game winner. Sort of lunging across the crease rather than coming over in control. And it wound up hitting him and going in because he was so kind of out of control as he went across. And, you, you know, it. it we're not going to put it on him because it was a great A chance when you get the goalie moving like that. But the guy basically scored from the goal line. and He scored by putting it through him. I, I didn't like the goal as an old so goalie. See, 
I see Bakersfield won again oh, yeah? on the weekend, three to one on uh, I think it was Saturday. Well, they, got crushed, they got crushed seven to three. I thought last night. Post game. I'm just looking at their website. Oh, they did. They lost seven to three last night, did they? Yeah, yeah. Things aren't going well down there, David. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, we're not. You know, we're we're a, a few guys seem to be spinning their wheels. And a couple of kind of disappeared off the radar. The injury to the goalie obviously hasn't hasn't helped. But well, the, I'm just the wondering which game anywhere near the magic they had last year. The reason it took I'm them a while last year to get oh, yeah, going. They too. lost. They lost seven three. Let's just see if who played in net that game. If I can find out really quickly because I, there is some hope that Shane Starrett, like if Mike Smith fell off the fell off the edge of the earth here. I don't think uh, it was Starrett. I think he missed the game, and 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 they had uh, uh, they had Skinner and Wells. I don't know how they split the game, but uh, Starrett didn't dress, from what I, I was reading in the comments uh-oh. section somewhere. And this after coming back and playing well and winning a game, and then a week later, now he's not dressing again. So it makes you a little bit worried about his long term health. What, what uh, have a hip injury or something? And uh, those core body injuries for goalies are murder. Oh, that's not good news. Let me mm-hmm. see. Did he play the game before? Starrett, he played the game yeah, before. Yeah, he played the 3-1 game that they won. And he let well, in just one goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe they just thought, let's not even dress him. We've got the two goalies here. Let's just give him the night off. And oh, he, he played one game all week. I mean. Well, but it wasn't a back-to-back games? I, no, I don't think they play again until like Tuesday or Wednesday. No. no, didn't they play Saturday and Sunday? Like, So maybe they just thought, let's play the other goalie. They played Saturday. I know that Saturday yeah. afternoon, and then if they played Sunday, um, they lost at, seven to three on Saturday. Oh, and I looked at the schedule, and I don't think they played again until. Uh, I'm screwing up here. Until uh, uh, a while. Yeah, they didn't play today. Tomorrow they play again. No, on, they played uh, this Saturday. Okay, I'm getting it wrong here. All right, sorry, Bruce. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, listeners. I'm looking back to the Teddy Bear Toss game. You're right, Bruce. We'll forgive you. That's they a whole, play in San Jose on, oh, on Wednesday. So oh, yeah. he must 10 be days again. with one game, and if he didn't even dress for that one game, and it's yeah. not because they're arresting him. Uh, so much for my hope for him, him being the the answer. If yeah. yeah, well, Smith is, I mean, honestly, reminding me of Jonas Gustafsson. Uh, at this point in time, and I mean Jonas Gustafsson, he was like eight seventy-eight or something. His his one half season that he played in Edmonton before they sent him down halfway through the year. And as you yourself said a few podcasts ago, you know that eight eight fifty eight seventy is not NHL goaltending, and you won't survive in the league at that level for long. No, they won't put up with it, and well, so they're going to have eight games now at eight sixty-five or somewhere right in that range. Of uh, that. So they don't have a guy from the HL they can call up because he can't call up Skinner and Wells. They're just not not to play. And, no, and so and you don't want to play Koskinen in the next fifty games. You don't want to have to get forced in one of those freaking oh. Max Mon- what was his Al Montoya situations where they got a goalie that was no good. I mean, maybe someone will get waived um, and they can they can. Fall into get lucky and fall in. I think they're they, the two they got. They're basically locked in. I think but you're right, Bruce. I'd like yeah. to see them go. You know, on a weekly basis, two for Koskinen and one for Smith, and rather than this, this splitting things right down the middle. I would have played um, Koskinen again tonight. Like honestly, like I was hoping yeah. to see that, and I didn't didn't know what you know. 
I knew I knew Smith would get this game, and I'm pretty well. We'll see what happens Tuesday, but uh, oh, do you think they'll play him again? Uh, oh well, I, I, with Tippett, honestly, I don't know. Like he likes Smith, but he's got to be seeing what's happening out there. Yeah, well, I can feel the blog post coming on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Time to go with roll with Koskin. I've mean, never been saying that. It's not. This isn't exactly news. Everyone's been saying this for weeks now, right? Like, mm-hmm. can we play Koskin a bit more, please? Like. Please, pretty please. So. so anyway, well, this week we had we had two teams roll into town here: Ottawa on Tuesday or uh, Wednesday, Buffalo uh, on Sunday. Both of them were on the end of tail end of a Western Canadian road trip that they hadn't won a single game until their last game in Edmonton. Both of them played in Vancouver the day before, then came to Edmonton, then both of them came in here and waltzed up with two points. Like, let's roll out the red carpet again. Like, I don't think they, unlike the Ottawa game, I don't think they gave this. And it was goaltending both, well, I'm not saying it was goaltending tonight. It was was weird bounces tonight. Olmark had a better game than Mike Smith. He did. That's true. But then Koskinen really did stink out the joint against against Ottawa. Ottawa. I mean, and three home games against three out-of-playoff teams, and they only scored two, two, two goals, you know. Yeah. And four of the six on the the power play. It's like even strength there. They're very... A minimal threat to score right now. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for yeah. talking tonight. Well, well, yeah, let's leave it on that optimistic note, shall we? Thank, <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. There will be better nights ahead. Oh, I think so too. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.